Hey there, sports fans. It's time for podcast with Statsman and AJ Rotowire's signature fantasy hockey program. I'm Paul Bruno in Toronto, Ontario. You can follow me at Statsman22. My co-host, as always, is AJ Scholes, a great follow at AJ Scholes24, based in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, near Rotowire headquarters over in Madison. Partner, it's a beautiful day in Toronto here, and I hope you're getting some sunshine where you are, but uh, we have reached the all-star break almost. Uh, this is what we're calling the all-star edition of our show, and the all-star break will happen this com- upcoming week, so we only have games until Wednesday this week, I believe, and it's a very sparse schedule. So most season-long pools are uh, taking – head-to-head pools, rather, are taking – this is a two-week game, so you can adjust your thinking uh, a little bit in that way. And uh, today, on today's show, uh, we have some news about a trade, AJ. Would you like to bring our listeners up to speed on the transaction that uh, was uh, kind of surprising for me? Yeah, so um, surprising in the sense of where Bo Horvat went. Uh, we were pretty much expecting he would end up somewhere. So uh, Bo Horvat goes to the Islanders for Anthony Bolivier, Aturati, and a conditional 2023 first-round pick, uh, which is top 12 protected this year and would move to an unprotected pick in 2024 if necessary. So um, I think it shows where the Islanders think they are, right? Obviously, um, you know, if you ask me if they're buyers or sellers, I would say they were right on the cusp um, and could could go either way in the coming weeks. They obviously weren't going to wait for that to happen. Lou Lamorello clearly puts them in the buyer category, which, uh, you know, at this point, they're not that far behind. They're only two points back of, of the Penguins for last wild card spot, although they've played more games than the Penguins or the Sabres. Uh, so they're they're in the mix. Uh, it's going to be a huge disappointment for them, I think, obviously, if uh, if they don't make the playoffs and, and have this big deal to bring in Horvat. Well, and so clearly it's a chance to drag this team into the into the playoff fight. They're certainly in the hunt. But boy, they, they gave up a haul, I think, in Bovillier. They gave up a top six forward. Aturati is a former second round pick out of Finland who has a uh, they have an expectation that he's going to be an impact player. He's a big physical piece that with uh, some scoring ability. And then you can't forget about that, that 2023 20, first round pick. Actually it's, it's a protected pick, which means that if, if it's it winds up in the top 12, it's going to defer to the following season where that protection is, is uh, not there anymore. So it's a bit of a twist on, on the brat pick, but getting two uh, pieces to augment the attack is something that that is going the other way. It's a heavy price to pay, and uh, at this at the time of our recording, Horvat has not been resigned for to an extension. But you have to believe that Lou Lamorello would not have pulled the trigger on this if he didn't have some assurance that they could get that aspect done. But I think it's a heck of a price to pay, and just uh, underscores how important a playoff spot is to the Islander Club this year. So uh, could be something that uh, both teams win, but. Certainly, I like the other side of it. The, the assets going the other way are compelling for me in terms of uh, roster piece, top six roster piece, top prospect, and a first-round pick. Heavy price to pay for uh, a guy going the other way, even though he's having a career season, you can say. So that's the first of hope we well, hope are a lot of deals, AJ. But uh, on the, on the uh, back burner is the All-Star game, the All-Star break coming up. They've try, they're trying some different things with this format, AJ. And I I'm, I don't think they're going to drag me into the fight in terms of watching it, uh, I'll say, this year, because 
I just can't get excited about some of the skills that the competitions that they're talking about. The dunk tank might be fun to watch, but uh, I don't know. It's a little too gimmicky for me, and uh, I, I don't think I'm down for it. But I don't know what you how you feel about that. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's gimmicky, but it's kind of fun seeing them do uh, silly things, silly things like that. So obviously, the uh, you know the big question. Uh, that they have to resolve, which uh, I, I think they have. But technically, Bo Horvat is no longer in the Western Conference. So um, I, I assume they'll have him still play for the, the Pacific uh, Pacific team, but it's yeah. possible that they do something else. But my, my assumption is he will stick with the team that he was uh, originally assigned to when these all-star rosters came out. Yeah, at the, again, at the time of our recording, uh, it's status quo, but I wonder, like you, what was going to happen in that circumstance because uh, he, of course, represents the Vancouver Canucks at the time of the uh, the uh, selections, but, uh, of course, has moved along to the Eastern Conference. Maybe he's going to put a couple of bucks in his own net if, if it comes down to the, the division. <laughs> up and He has a side deal somewhere. That would be something to watch. Who knows? But uh, any case, like I said, we had our first big deal. We got the All-Star Week. So uh, on today's episode, AJ, I thought we'd do a little bit of a twist. I certainly want to highlight the All-Star selections for each team. We'll profile each player that made it. And then maybe an unsung player or a flop or even a good news story in addition as we do our sweep of the 31 teams. I'll set the pace by going through the Anaheim situation. And Troy Terry, of course, is the All-Star representative there. He's having a fine offensive season for the Anaheim Ducks and is their best sniper, I'll say, year to date. He's got a a nice season going with 42 points, and that puts him in a tie for first place in the scoring race there with Trevor Zegras. I mean, maybe the goal tolls are down a titch, but you have to like his playmaker ability, which comes from the wing, and that's a separator uh, for him against most other wingers in the NHL. AJ, I like to look for that and say, can we find some guys that set the table from the wing position? That certainly increases their value for me at the time of the draft. So uh, I'll also say that for me on this club, one of the guys that's been a real disappointment is Jakob Silverberg. He's on the on the books for big bucks here, AJ. But you have to go way down the list to find his contribution to this team where he has a total of five goals and seven helpers for a total of only 12 points. And he's a guy that's eating up a lot of their salary cap. So I, I just think that's a tough, tough contract. And it's kind of indicative of, of where the woes that befall this club with when you make a mistake of that nature, you wear it for a while. And he's got another year on his, on his contract for, I think about $6 million. So not a good look for Silverberg. I hope he gets his, himself righted and starts to earn that money, maybe in the remaining games and even into next year. For Arizona, their player heading there is going to be uh, Clayton Keller, who is really the the only logical choice here for, for Arizona. 18 goals, 23 assists, so certainly having a decent year for them. I would have probably made a case for, for Shane Goss's pair being my, you know, good story, um, you know, guy kind of resurging career here. But he just suffered a pretty significant injury, going to miss four to six weeks uh, due to an upper body injury. And that's really going to set him back. I mean, he was the second highest point producer on this team uh, heading, heading into, uh, you know, the back half of the season here. So pretty big blow for Arizona, obviously, as we've said all year long, we're not expecting them to really compete for anything at the end of the season, but certainly 
never good uh, to lose, you know, your second highest score, your, your primary uh, blue line producer uh, in, in that way. Um, but, you know, especially for him, for the, the tough years he's kind of had, um, you know, getting kind of pushed out of Philadelphia, comes back 51 points last season, looked like he was on pace for similar production this year as well. Um, and he'll be back. He'll have a few, you know, he'll have some games to, to get that total up. Um, but certainly a setback for him. Well, and uh, we haven't had the chance to say this all year, but the Bruins are heading into this week on a three-game losing streak partner, and we haven't seen that out of this club all season long. Despite that, they have two reps headed to the All-Star game, and David Pasternak, who's among the league leaders in, in goals and points, and uh, Linus Ulmark has been a real find for them uh, going back to last year when he plugged a real hole in this lineup, filling that first uh, first string goalie role to a T having uh, posted some great numbers again this season and he came in at a relatively affordable price too uh, signing a long-term deal here on the books for five million dollars for this year and the next two seasons so if he continues at that pace the 29 year old is going to be great value and it goes hand in glove with what we've seen from the Bruins they've had a host of players in that with that profile and uh, another guy that I wanted to highlight is Hampus Lindholm. It's not too often that you can get a stud defenseman in a trade, and they acquired him last year at the deadline, and uh, he parlayed a late-season rush and uh, the profile that he's accumulated in the NHL to a long extension with the Bruins at $6.5 million, not even a break-your-back, break-your-bank situation for the club, as they are very good at managing the salary cap here and uh, I guess Pasternak's going to test that by signing a big deal that's going to be well, well in excess of everybody else. But getting Ulmark at $5 million and then pairing that with Lindholm at $6.5 million over the next several years, a master stroke when you can get two cornerstones in your lineup for those prices. Well, you want to talk about a cheap player out, out kicking his contract. You have to look at Buffalo's Alex Tuck. 4.75 is the hit this year and for three more. But he's currently... Uh, put up his uh, 23 goals, 31 points. So this will be his second 20-goal uh, season, second 50-point season. He's already set personal highs both in goals uh, and points this year and is only going to build on that in the second half of the season. So a really strong campaign for him. I think uh, Thompson, Tage Thompson obviously still makes sense with his 34 goals as the all-star nominee for the Sabres, but I think Tuck could have made a decent claim on that. And then good on Jeff Skinner. We've talked about this a little bit uh, at times this year. Very rough season in terms of uh, goals a couple years ago. Had just seven. 33 last year is on pace to maybe even push for 40 this season, which would be uh, a career high for him. So, like I said, uh, would match a career high, rather. So, you know, after those couple of rough uh, years in there, he has really kind of discovered, rediscovered his game in the last two seasons and looks pretty good uh, and, you know, worth, uh, you know, worth that, that big contract that he's, he's eating up uh, just about 11% of their cap right now. So um, needs to be producing at this level and, and certainly is right now. And in Carolina, again, we're talking about one of the top teams in the league. So of course, near the top of their scoring, you find Andrei Svechnikov, though he's in a bit of a goal scoring slump over the last few weeks and, uh, seen a couple of teammates caught, catch him and pass him in that regard as Marty Netzcash and Sebastian Ajo are tied with 21 goals to lead the club. But Svechnikov is 
the all-star nominee with his 39 points in 49 games played. So they had some options here. And I guess if, if they would have held the, the conversation to nominate players, I'm, I'm wondering if Svechnikov would have been the guy if we would have had that nomination discussion this past weekend because I would have made the case for Netskash or Apple myself, even though uh, Svechnikov did get off to that hot start and certainly is no slouch in the goal scoring department with 19 on the year to date. But one guy who doesn't measure up to any of these three is a guy that I've maligned from almost the day that he entered the league. Very highly overrated in my estimation. I'm talking about Jesperi Kakinyemi. And, I mean, we were talk- going to talk about good, bad, or or indifferent players uh, in for each club. And for me, Kakinyemi continues to jump off the sheet when you talk about the poor point-scoring stats, the fact that he hasn't cracked the top six on a regular basis at center, and now he's even playing wings sometimes. And he's on the books for six, five more years at $4.8 million. When you can't find a home for a guy... I'm not sure I'm I'm paying that kind of money for him uh, longer term. So uh, I think that's going to be an albatross for this club. And uh, I'm waiting. I'm going to wait for a rebuttal from our friend in Las Vegas to see if if, uh, I strike a nerve with this call. Well, I think over in Calgary, you could have made a a claim for several people. Nazem Kadri got the nod for them. Obviously, Tyler Toffoli, Elias Lindholm, all with, uh, you know, slightly higher point totals. The one player that I think uh, kind of missed out and just unfortunate based on his uh, division is Rasmus Anderson. Really solid uh, year for him, 33 points. That's on pace to at least match, if not exceed, his his point total from last year when he got 50. Uh, plenty of production on the power play, but you look at this Pacific uh, roster and you know Seth Jones is about the only player you could have <laughs> – added from the Blackhawks. So you almost had to have him. He's not going to beat out Kale McCarr or Josh Morrissey this season. So unfortunately with there just being the three D uh, for the, the central division team, I think he misses out a little bit there. Um, you know, they, they obviously could have gone more, but uh, you know, you compared to the other teams, three uh, D is pretty heavy uh, compared to the rest of the rosters here. So unfortunately I think Rasmus Anderson is just in the wrong division uh, to really uh, have the ability to make that uh, that team without uh, without having been like a, a fan vote situation. And I'm going to go to the Chicago Blackhawks and talk a little bit about Seth Jones, AJ. It's kind of picking a guy uh, on the basis of almost name recognition because the plus minus is a terrible one there. Minus 26, I'm, I question that pick, but uh, maybe, like you say, they're looking for some people to play defense in this division. I mean, and, Paul, does anybody have a positive plus-minus on that team? But, Jake, but they, Jake they, McCabe is your one guy I'm seeing with a positive plus-minus on that team. But minus six is maybe <laughs> minus twenty-six is about the worst partner. So that's that's the one that I have a bit of an issue with. And uh, when I look at the the positive stories, though, with the Blackhawks, I'm going to talk about a guy that we've talked about from time to time. And I wonder if his name comes up at the trade deadline. I'm talking about Max Domi, of course, who has played the solid citizen for the most part this year with a couple of only a couple of minor mental lapses that have cost his team a little bit with penalties and, and the like. But uh, you got to like what he's done in terms of putting up the points and holding down a top six role. And, and for $3 million, he's become a very marketable uh, commodity at the trade deadline, so much so that the Hawks are even considering and having talks about whether they extend him and keep him in-house as part of the rebuild process. And as we've said before, there are early indications that Domi may be receptive to this, but 
in the back of my mind, if he has a chance to go to a contending club, I think he'd switch those gears pretty quickly, particularly if it was a, a certain team with a blue and white sweater combination. Every team, every player available for trade is heading to Toronto. <laughs> Your media is just outrageous, Paul. <laughs> anyway, uh, over in Columbus, look, no real choice here other than Johnny Gaudreau. Patrick Lane uh, doesn't have the games played this year to really justify being uh, their their team's choice. So I think uh, about all you could do out of Columbus, the goaltending has been pretty atrocious across the board throughout the season. So uh, not much else to really say about Columbus. This is a team that's going to continue to lose a lot of games down the stretch. Um, they're dealing with even more injuries. They've got Adam Boquist and, and Nick Blankenberg are both out. So this blue line is getting even thinner than it already is. The forward group has a ton of injuries as well. So um, it's really about just getting the season over with in Columbus. And in Colorado, it's quite the other way around. This is a team that's looking to defend their championship. And uh, to that end, of course, they have the high-end players that are delivering the goods. And I, I want to highlight the fact that they're one of the few teams that has three all-star participants, uh, Nate McKinnon, Miko Randon, and Kale McCarr, all going to the, the festivities this weekend. Randon deserves a special accolade in terms of the nominees because, for me, he did he stepped out a bit of, out of McKinnon's shadow with the captain missing some time this year. And he hasn't missed a beat in terms of carrying on as one of the top scoring players in hockey. So he's certainly taken this opportunity to elevate his profile and is rightly regarded with his all-star nomination. But uh, one other guy who is toiling in their shadows this year is Arturi Lekkonen, AJ. And he came over in a deal from Montreal, a previous deadline. And he's been earning gold star after gold star with this team. For me, he's compiled 34 points in 45 games played. And he's doing it all on a very uh, team-friendly contract, too. So that makes him a, a big star here. As he signed up long-term, $4.5 million to cap hit for the next four years. And that's pretty good for a guy who figures to be a top-six player here and coming into his late 20s. Just the right time to sign a guy like that who has emerged as a scoring option in addition to the superstars that lead this offense. Over in Dallas, it'll be Jason Robertson who heads to the All-Star game. 33 goals, 33 assists. No argument there from me. 24 power play points. So an even third, or just over a third rather, of his total point total coming with the mana advantage here. Uh, looking at this team, you have to wonder where they might consider trying to add at the trade deadline here. Um, they're obviously top of the division. They don't have a ton of cap space, so they would need somebody – to go the other way in order to make that work. And they don't really have, you know, other than Ben and Sagan, they don't really have a ton of bad contracts. Those guys are playing a little bit better than they have the last couple of years. So I think they're starting to, to earn their keep a little bit more. Um, you know, maybe if they could get somebody to take Anton Hudobin from them, uh, that would clear up about 2.2 million that's buried. And I don't think they're going to be in the market for like a top, player in my opinion i think you're looking at a you know middle third um maybe middle third center a second or third line center maybe an extra scoring blue liner here but for the most part i don't think this team needs to do a lot they're pretty well stacked um, and don't have the cap space to make it work unless they could shed something again like an anton hudobin who is playing in the minors and costing them pretty heavily against the cap 
In Detroit, general manager Steve Eiserman deserves some props for a rebuild that he's conducting, but he's got a challenging negotiation in the offseason with the club's captain, Dylan Larkin, who is their all-star representative, having another fine offensive year. He's going to be on an ex- he's on an expiring $6.1 million cap hit, and I'm thinking he's due do a significant raise there as pending UFA. And I wonder if there are going to be, there's going to be competition for his services. He's not played anywhere outside of the state of Michigan, uh, dating back to his very early years in even pre pre NHL. So uh, curious to see how that certainly plays out, but I have a feeling that Eisenman uh, going to find a way to get it done. And one of the guys that ex- is expected to be his teammate for the next several years is Philip Ronick, AJ. He, uh, was lapped by uh, another defenseman, Moritz Sider, who won, won Rookie of the Year accolades last year for, for the fantastic offensive season. But he struggled out of the gate a little bit. He's picked up his game a little bit more recently. And uh, the, But the plus-minus is still underwater there. But the, the guy who's got, got uh, the, the ranking above him on the depth chart, in my opinion, still, is Philip Ronick. 33 points and a plus-12 for him to lead both all defensemen in both categories year to date and he's getting back some of the playoff power play time he lost in the last last year and a half so it's it's a two two-headed monster on the back end which which is a an asset that a lot of teams can't can't say they have in terms of two real good offensive pieces from the blue line certainly philip ronick has proved his his worth and rehabilitated any shortfall that his image may have suffered with cider's emergence on the club's roster Paul, you mentioned two-headed monsters, and no team has that more in spades than the Edmonton Oilers with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, both of whom are going to the All-Star game, along with Stuart Skinner. Now, that was um, the indication. Looks like Skinner missed their last game just due to illness, so I'd expect he'll still be able to to go to the All-Star game. Um, But something to monitor, maybe he would opt out. Um, just because he was uh, under the weather there. But as of right now, they've got three guys going and certainly all well-deserved across the board here. Not much really to add on Edmonton other than, you know, I think uh, bottom six winger probably be be the position that they try and address when you consider the fact they've opted to uh, suit up seven defensemen their last couple of games instead of uh, playing guys like Warren Fogle and Devin Shore both scratched in favor of that seventh blue liner. And in Florida, we'll start with the injury update because uh, it's significant that their most expensive goalie tandem in the league is on the sidelines right now. Spencer Knight listed as day-to-day and Sergei Bobrovsky on the IR. That's $15 million worth of goaltending almost that can't play. And so that's pushing Alex Lyon into the mix into the breach as the go-to uh, goal, goalie of choice behind a rather talented roster here, AJ. Let's not sell the Panthers short there. Not having the year that did last year, but they still boast some of the league's signature players when it comes to skills and uh, high-octane offense. Two of those guys going to the All-Star game are Alex Barkov and Matthew Tuchuk. Uh, I should re- mention that Captain Barkov was an add-on when, when Austin Matthews was sidelined uh, in the league's situation in Toronto. So Barkov a natural choice since the game is in Florida and he's having another fine season. Uh, the all-star game in Florida made, made this an easy decision and I think a good one. Uh, but but Tuchuk has been fantastic here, leading leading the club in his first year uh, in the, the sunny city and really enjoying his time down there, it seems, leading the club with 66 points in 49 games played, well on his way to a career-best season, building on what he did 
last year in Calgary with, with another fine year there. So he's been well worth the the move and uh, full full value for what he brings to this club. But I want to highlight another guy, AJ, here that has kind of been a surprise contributor. When they made a trade in the offseason and they lost one of their better defensemen in that deal going to Calgary, I thought that that would leave a bit of a hole in the Florida situation. But Brandon Montour is a guy that, just like in the previous team that I profiled with Detroit, he's kind of lapped the incumbent who has been a perennial leader of this defense corps, and that's Aaron Ekblad. Now, Ekblad's played in 41 games and has 20. 24 points, which is decent on pace for a 50-point season. But when you look at what Montour is doing, AJ, this contribution's come out of nowhere. And he's got 43 points in 50 games to be among the very best point producers in the entire NHL. So uh, kind of really found value when you consider uh, Montour wasn't going to be one of the top two guys a year ago in this mix, but certainly has thrust himself into the picture. And he's on the books for only $3.5 million this year and next and an un- uh, unrestricted free agent after that. So uh, they will have a bit of a tough time. Uh, if he produces another year like this, he may want to test the market, or he's certainly going to cost them a lot more than the $3.5 million. So right now it's looking like one of the most team-friendly deals in the entire league for what he's producing. In Los Angeles, Kevin Fiala is the player that will go to the All-Star game, and certainly he has been worth the price tag that they gave up to bring him in during the off season, you look um, first round 2022 first round pick, and then uh, a youngster in Brock Faber, uh, really a good value. Now they were buying relatively high, but they were going to have to give him a contract because he was an RFA at the time. Um, and I think they've gotten what they could expect out of him. Is he going to get 85 points again this year? Maybe not. Um He should be able to hit 30 goals again, but even if he comes up short, say 29 goals and, you know, 78 points or something like that, where it's not quite as good as his last year in Minnesota, I think you'd still be really happy about that. You add in the fact that his uh, power play numbers are already up compared to last year, 18 power play points compared to seven last year. So was able to step into a bigger role for Los Angeles and really fill in uh, admirably in what they're looking for as a, a point-producing piece of their power play. In Minnesota, AJ, your, one of your favorites is t- tending goal with his usual flair. Marc-Andre Fleury has kind of taken control of the goalie pairing there and is getting way more starts than he is understudy and uh, performing well. But the guy that's going to the, to the all-star festivities is their signature offensive piece, Kirill Kaprizov, who has been a big presence uh, in terms of highlight reel performances from the day he set foot in this league. And he's well on his way to another outstanding season, uh, leading this club and scoring with 59 points in 48 games played. Could be uh, testing even the 50-goal plateau if he gets a little bit hotter than he has been, which is not out of the question. And uh, so that's the top offensive piece going to the dance. But uh, another guy who factors into the top six, and he's come from a pretty good impression Halfway through last season, Matthew Boldy was brought up from the from the minors, and this kid, all he's done is score since since then, and he's off to uh, another fabulous start this season, and uh, he's parlayed that into a long extension at uh, about seven million dollars a year. It looks like for the next five seasons after this one, out of his entry level deal, the twenty one year old 
has picked up right where he left off last season with some great offensive totals across the board. And this team, which was once known for a defensive depth, uh, rich, on, rich on the blue line, has now built up their offense. And Boldy has been quite a nice addition with 36 points in 48 games played, complimenting the likes of Kaprasov, Zuccarello, and Erickson Eck above him in the scoring race for the club. Well, over in Montreal, the only real good news is that they did get a player into the All-Star game, um, which is required. So, of course, uh, you know, they had some help there. But it's going to be Nick Suzuki for them. Uh, Decent season overall. Numbers aren't great when you compare them to some of the rest of the players going over there. 38 points. Cole Caulfield, not an option. He's uh, done for the year. And that's been the kind of theme of this season just the number of injuries that they've had to deal with, um, you know, Cole Caulfield, Jake Evans, Jonathan Drury, Slavskowski, Armia, Gallagher, Byron, Monahan, uh, just their entire forward complement here. And it's telling, too, you know, I listed off that, that uh, group of guys. Well, tied for fifth on the team in scoring is still Sean Monahan, who hasn't played uh, in a game for them since early December. So, obviously – uh, things are not great over in Montreal. They keep getting worse. Uh, I guess if you're looking for an upside as a Habs fan, some of your younger guys are going to get tested. They obviously brought uh, uh, back up, Owen back up from, from juniors to play in the game for them the other day. Uh, so he gets his first NHL debut, uh, get a look at him. But yeah, there's just so much work that has to be done on this team. I'm not even sure that they have a lot of pieces that other teams might be calling about um, based on the, the injury concerns. I mean, maybe Evgeny Dadnoff, but he's been super like him and Mike Hoffman both have been scratched periodically this year. So their cap hits don't really warrant it. At least with Dadnoff, you could justify it by the fact, you know, if the Habs kept half of it, then he's only 2.5, but yeah, just the injuries have decimated this team and really uh, set them back. One of the guys that we highlighted that would make the jump into the high rent, highest rent district of the NHL as a signature player is Jack Hughes, and he's lived up to that, those accolades, AJ, and that's why he's the first guy I talk about when we consider the New Jersey situation, and he's their representative at the All-Star Game, full value for that. Uh, with his point totals, an outstanding season, even a plus 16 to boot, he is a guy that's going to be the signature guy, uh, centerpiece for this club for years to come. And they're building some quality around him. They've got the, the top-end defenseman and Dougie Hamilton, Jesper Bratz emerging as a high-scoring winger. So some pieces are nicely falling into place. But we've yet to highlight a goalie in terms of making uh, another uh, contribution that was kind of unexpected. I mean, they had two good goalies in the mix in terms of Mackenzie Blackwood and Vitek Vanasek. I thought it was going to be a split that we would see from these two guys. But Vanasek has had an outstanding first half, AJ, and is my pick to be regarded as the, the unsung contribution that this club has had year to date. Look at the numbers, 21 wins, only five defeats, a 2.29 goals against average and a 91.7 percentage save percentage. And all of that is on the books at a very, very affordable $3.4 million for the next two years. I mean, we've started to see goalie salaries come up uh, significantly, but the, the Devils have done a fine job 
combining the two players that they have for a total of only 6.2 million on the books this year. That's, that's pretty low for one of the better tandems that I see around the NHL. But Vanacek is a guy that has really wrested control of that number one job over Blackfoot today. Well, continuing the goalie discussion here, UC Saros is the nominee for Nashville. He'll uh, head down to Florida there on the back of a 19, 13 and five record to start the season. Um, it's, it's been a decent year for him. Numbers are a little up. Um, you look at his goals against average 2.74 would, if it finished that way, would actually be his worst ever, which is pretty impressive. You talk about goalies having career worst goals against averages. You're almost certainly are above three, uh, in those discussions. 0.92, uh, 920 is the save percentage here. So those numbers could improve slightly, uh, during the back half of the season here. So I think overall a, a, a solid uh, contribution for them. This is a team that has just quietly continued to chug along. Um, they've dealt with some blue line injuries periodically here. Alex uh, Alexander Carrier, Mark Borowicki, both uh, spending time out of the lineup. But overall, they just kind of keep grinding and keep putting themselves at least in the discussion uh, for a wild card spot here. They have some work to do, obviously, currently fourth in the wild card race, but uh, I think they will be a hard team and UC Saros is a key part of that. You know, the Islanders are, I mean, the Islanders are a team that's fighting for a playoff spot as we highlighted off the top of the show. I'm a little bit surprised that they got two guys qualified for the all-star game. Brock Nelson is certainly their leading scorer with 46 points, but uh, I think I could find a few players around the league that I might've picked ahead of him to make the all-star club, maybe even his teammate, Matt Barzal, who's more of a flashy type player, but nonetheless, uh, Brock Nelson doing what he continues to do. And I mean, uh, the other guy I highlighted is a reminder that we touched on last week. This team's strength is down the middle and it's the wingers that have kind of let them down. So they continue to stand out in the middle of the ice and uh, they got to get some more performance from the wings. That's just not happening right now. And that's something that uh, Bo Horvat's going to have to, help them with I could see him fitting in easily in a top six wing role so that's what I'm looking out for him but they might even flip him uh, flip one of the ascenders here onto the wing and make him play center so they have some flexibility with who they're bringing in here and uh, you know the other accolade that I want to throw their way is to a defenseman though AJ when we uh, been talking about Noah Dobson in the past we were been waiting for that offensive season breakthrough well we're seeing it this year he's got 10 goals and 17 helpers 27 points in 48 games played. That's just shy of a 50-point pace. And it fills a, a glaring need that this club has had for years when they kind of force-fed us the notion that Ryan Pollock could be that offensive guy and longtime power play quarterback. He's only got 16 points this year and only two goals. So that tells you that uh, Dobson has certainly passed him in that regard and is a guy that they're going to be uh, pinning that power play quarterback responsibility on for the foreseeable future. Well, in New York, they're one of the teams that you mentioned, Paul, that has three representatives uh, headed to the the All-Star game here. Shesterkin was the official team vote, and then Adam Fox and Artemi Panarin added through the, uh, what do they call it, the, uh, the fan vote uh, selection. Yes. So yes. Two, more, two more additions there. Uh, really, I think a team that has, uh, you know, they were definitely worth it. Uh, they... Have had really good years. Panarin has 50 points. Fox with 48 points. Uh, Mika Zabinajag could have made a case as well. 22 goals, 27 assists for him. Uh, there, obviously, Shesterkin's year has been 
uh, really quality, 21 wins uh, in 36 appearances. I think for this team, the question becomes, now that they've seen what their in-town rivals have done, what is the move for the Rangers now? Um, you know, they obviously, Bo Horvat comes in. That's a big, big move there. They have a little bit of cap space uh, under the, the current uh, roster at, at $1.5 million, So that wouldn't be a ton to add, but gives them a little bit more flexibility on what they could or could not do here. Uh, so, yeah, it'll be an interesting thing to watch. I like their blue line. They have a mix of, of strong, um, you know, strong scores with solid kind of D men. Maybe you look at a bottom six, uh, you know, maybe more of a veteran presence uh, looking at their bottom six is pretty young group. Lafreniere, Hedl, Kako, Gother, Lishen, and, and Kratzoff. So it's a, a pretty young group here. Sammy Blade down in the minors as well on a conditioning stint. So that could be maybe what they look for uh, a veteran player or two to fill out the bottom of this roster. In Ottawa, they have Brady Chuchuk representing this club, the All-Stars, and he's going to play with his brother for the first time ever, I think, going back to when they were little kids. So they're both very excited about that, suiting up in the same division. They could even be line mates. We should expect to see that down in Florida. I wonder, uh, that's got to be a real highlight for their parents, getting to see them play on the same team for the first time ever in a long, long time. So Tuchuk, though, full value for that selection, obviously. The team leader in Ottawa is having a fantastic season offensively, leading the club with 49 points on 19 goals and 30 helpers. And uh, the plus-minus could use a little bit of work. That's just indicative of the fact that this is still a team that's probably going to be on the outside looking in. But they've kind of put some nice pieces around Ron Tuchuk offensively with the addition of Claude Giroux and Alex Deprinka by by transactions getting teams that they didn't grow the talent within the organization. But I'm going to highlight a guy that on the blue line that is a homegrown talent in Jake Sanderson. He's in his second year of his entry-level contract and has already shown enough to me that he's going to be a very good offensive piece from the back end, complimenting Thomas Shabbat, who's only got six points more than him. And the uh, plus-minus and minus-three also tells me that he's pretty good defensively as well. So they have a real good piece in Sanderson uh, who will be a centerpiece for that blue line for years to come. And the fact of the matter is that he's on the second year of that entry-level deal. He's a year away from even causing them any kind of a, a contract headache. So they've got to enjoy the fact that they've got a real young stud on the back line that's uh, looking pretty good right now. In Philadelphia, I think uh, I think they got the choice wrong here in Kevin Hayes. Certainly not having a bad year, 45 points in 50 games, but I would argue Travis Konechny's 24 goals, 25 assists in 45 games makes him the more logical choice here in terms of on ice. Obviously, they've talked about um, some of the the off-ice stuff that Kevin Hayes has had to deal with the last couple of years with his uh, brother passing away and that sort of thing. So from a feel-good aspect of it, I, I like the fact that Kevin Hayes is there. Um, but I do think Travis Konechny would be the better choice based uh, strictly on the on-ice performance here. Just more goals in less games, uh, over a point-per-game pace. Uh, power play numbers are relatively even. You add in Konechny has three shorthanded goals. Like, I, I just think he um, you know, kind of got uh, missed out on this one. Well, I'm not going to argue with that choice, AJ. I think that's a very clever call by you, but Hayes – Maybe a sentimental choice given the, the tough off-ice situation that he's had to endure and the fact that he has put together a pretty nice season himself.
a little bit of a reward for all that, perhaps. In any case, let's take a pause to give our sponsors some airtime at this stage. We'll be back with some news and notes from around the league. Well, beginning with our look at the Pittsburgh uh, situation, I'm going to give my nomination for their unsung hero. I wonder who, if AJ would agree with that assessment. We'll have to wait till we get back after these messages to hear that answer. You're listening to podcast with Statsman and AJ. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. 
You're not ready if it's not ready hour foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Okay, folks, we're back. Uh, let's get AJ to give you another reminder for ways our listeners can reach out to us as we approach the upcoming trade deadline. I'm sure you're all dealing with a lot of trade offers or making them. So uh, give us a chance to assess them if you'd like our opinions. Uh, AJ, how do they do it? Yeah, absolutely. If you want to connect with Paul or I about hockey, fantasy hockey, uh, you can ask Paul about uh, your team's Baseball off-season additions, how those are helping, or uh, you know, basketball if you're into that as well. I'll talk some soccer with you uh, if if you want as well. So we're always on uh, on social media over on Twitter. There you can follow me at AJ Scholes24, and you can follow Paul the Statsman at Statsman22. AJ, it's my turn to talk, and Pittsburgh's up, so I'm gonna I'm gonna make my uh, declarations, but I certainly want to give the floor to you. Uh, Sidney Crosby is going to represent this team at the All-Star Game, having another outstanding year and uh, really one of the signature faces in the NHL, still the flag bearer for this league. And uh, Everybody knows who he is and just doing it again. But one guy that's toiling in his shadow that I think deserves some accolades is Ricard Raquel. This is a guy who's a veteran forward, scoring forward, fitting in on the wings and not costing them an arm and a leg and supporting them with some consistent scoring. He's up there with 18 goals and 33 points already. As my unsung hero for this club, I wanted to highlight him, and maybe you can, if you agree, you can certainly talk more about him. But if you find another player that you'd like to discuss, here's your opportunity. Well, frankly, none of these bums should be going to the All-Star <laughs> game Oops. right now with how they've been playing lately. Uh, four, three, and three in their last 10 games. They're lucky to still be in a playoff spot right now. Um, they've got Buffalo and, and now the Islanders obviously chasing them. Um, so, yeah, I I don't have a lot of good things to say about this team, Paul. So it's probably good that you were here to talk about Ricard Raquel. You could say maybe Jason Zucker, 30 points in 45 games, finally living up to kind of the expectations they've had for him. Um, but, yeah, for me, just a pretty disappointing team right now. It's been Pretty much the top six exclusively producing for them. Uh, and that's reflected. It's Crosby, Malkin, Gunso, Raquel, Zucker, and Rust that lead the way as the top six players in points. Um, and they're not getting much help from anybody else. So, yeah, I guess I guess you have to send a player. You might as well send Crosby because through various reasons, he's played in relatively few all-star games, um, you know, whether it be Olympics or uh, injuries or whatever. But uh, overall, uh, I would not have been disappointed if Pittsburgh hadn't sent anybody uh, to the All-Star game. Well, it's funny you say that because right now it looks like Seattle is the only team that's maybe not sending anybody because Matty Beneers, who was selected to the All-Star, is injured right now is is what I'm seeing. I don't know if you have any other information there. But uh, this is a team that has surprised many with the second-year performance overall. So you can probably pick a number of players 
throughout this roster who have been uh, unsung heroes and deserve some accolades, not the least of, of which is Jared McCann, another former Penguin that I'll mention. Maybe that's just putting salt in the wounds. I don't mean to do that. <laughs> why don't you finish up on Seattle and then I'll, I'll take us to San Jose. Yeah, so with uh, with Seattle here, uh, I think Berniers was a, a fantastic choice. Now, when they first came out, um, the first details that came out were just that Berniers was being replaced because uh, he's got an injury uh, by Chandler Stevenson. And it was a little confusing why they didn't select another uh, Kraken player to go in his stead. Um, uh, it has since come out that uh, they did offer a spot to another player. They didn't say who. Um, but that player turned them down, didn't want to go. My guess is it probably would have been either Andre Burakovsky or Jordan Everly, both of whom have had pretty good seasons this year. You mentioned McCann. He leads that team in goals. So, uh, it's you know, any one of those guys could have been offered and, and seemingly turned it down. Um, and then they opted to, to go with uh, Chandler Stevenson from Vegas. So, yeah, unfortunate that there won't be a, a member of the Kraken at uh, at the tournament or at the All-Star game. Well, and in San Jose, I might have been hard-pressed to come up with some somebody other than Eric Carlson, who was selected and full value. The guy's lapping the defensive defenseman around the league with a 66-point season all in 51 games, so it's threatening his career best totals is, is what's in store for the balance of the year. And a guy who may be involved in some trade rumors, although there's that huge contract that might mitigate that circumstance. Another guy who's going to have his name in trade rumors is Timo Meyer, and he's a guy that I think deserves a ton of credit for the season that he put together again this year, doubling down on the fantastic breakthrough that he had last season, 48 points in 51 games this season. He, of course, will be the subject of a lot of trade conjecture because he is a, a guy that they're dangling right now, playing out a $6 million contract this hit this season and and pending RFA, but all uh, indications are that he might be a guy that they'll trade just because we've covered this a lot in the past several weeks, AJ. This is a club that has a lot of high-end contract commitments, and I don't think they can add another one. So the idea is to move on from Meyer and trade high and and get at least the same haul that the Canucks got for Bo Horvat. So that's kind of setting the bar for what Timo Meyer might cost. And then some, I think he's going to, he should yield more to San Jose than, than what Horvat did, did to the Canucks. So I'm kind of looking forward to seeing where that uh, situation winds up. But Meyer is a guy that has all the attributes that I love, a physical guy, big shot. And uh, it's going to be curious for me to see how that uh, bidding word winds up. Well, one of the other uh, players that's, whose name has circulated for trade rumors here has been Ryan O'Reilly with the St. Louis Blues here. Uh, by last accounts, it looks like he kind of would like to stay um, in, in St. Louis, not really interested to leave. But, of course, that could just be, you know, good PR. You always say that you wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't want to leave necessarily. The hard part is, when is he going to be ready to go? Um, last report that we have on Rotowire is that he was still using crutches by about two weeks ago, uh, recovering from that broken foot. Uh, so we'll we'll see if he can get back. You know, before the injury though, uh, sixteen points in thirty-seven games uh, is okay. It's not great numbers, to be perfectly honest with you. Just two power play points. Um, you know, St. Louis as a whole has gotten a little bit better since they were at the start of the season. 
Maybe that's because they don't have Ryan O'Reilly on the <laughs> on the ice right now. Who knows? But uh, it'll be interesting to see what sort of trade piece or value they can get out of him if they do want to get something out of him. Uh, just looking quickly at the contract here, doesn't look like he has any sort of protections, like a no movement clause or anything like that. So um, if they just opt to, you know, send him somewhere and he, uh, you know, can recover, is going to be healthy from that injury. It uh, looks like all uh, systems go on shipping him out of St. Louis. Well, and in Tampa, the all-star representatives are familiar names. It's Nikita Kucherov leading the offense and Andre Vasilevsky vying for the title of the top goalie in the league once again. These guys have been doing it year after year after year, and it's like wash, rinse, repeat should be uh, written right beside them in terms of all-star consideration. They're just so automatic with, with the, what they do year in, year out. And uh, they're not even that old, AJ, so they're going to be around for a lot, a few more years as they're kind of entering the prime years of their respective careers. So they, there's a lot of runway for both of these guys, and uh, they just have a level of play that is so consistent and so high that it's something that others should aspire to on a regular basis. One of those guys who is emerging as an incredibly solid contributor is Brandon Hagel, who they got from the Chicago Blackhawks about a year and a half ago. 41 points in 48 games played. He's on the books for $1.5 million. I could cry when I see this as a, a rival to the Maple Leafs. They've just continued to stock their depth among the forward ranks. They had Nicholas Paul uh, that they extended for $3.1 million. You could have made a case for him. Uh, another solid year for a strong two-way player. And it looks like Brandon Hagel is just the latest one. Now, I'm going to be curious to see a year from now how they fit that contract under the maze of, of larger dollar value players that they have on the books here. That'll be their challenge. They've already extend, extended the likes of Mikhail Sergachev and Eric Cernak on the defense. So they're eating up a lot more money uh, as well. So uh, along with Sorelli that they've adjusted this season to another increase. So that's three players that have taken a bit of the pie. And I wonder if there's any left for Hagel, but if not, he's going to be a very, be a very sought after commodity in any trade discussions down the line. Cause he's just been fit in like a glove here in Tampa. Well, obviously the news out of Toronto that's most important has nothing to do with the all-star game. Austin Matthews on injured reserve due to a knee injury. It is expected that he will be out a minimum of three weeks. So we put that about February 18th, give or take. Um, but obviously it could be longer. Again, they said a minimum of three weeks with the announcement there. So uh, he was replaced in the all-star game by uh, Barkov with Marner, uh, the lone uh, selection from Toronto. Now, Paul, how do you feel about Marner being the, the candidate here with Matthews out? You know what? He's, I think, the most important player on this team, AJ. He doesn't get quite the ink that Matthews does, but he plays more, if you can imagine, than than uh, the big sniper because he plays in all the shorthanded situations as well as his regular shift and power play. And much of the power play offense goes through his hands to us, the top playmaker that's out there. So I think Marner is an excellent pick. I would have liked to have seen a second Leaf go there, though, and that's Willie Nylander having an outstanding year with 59 points in 51 games played. I can't really call it. You should have voted more, Paul. You should have made sure you got the fan vote. Should have just gone on there every day, clicking I, votes I, to get my I, I on there. I could have, but you know what? He's he's a guy that's been kind of a core four forward in terms of the top contracts here for a few years. So while I could say he's the guy that deserves an extra accolade, I'm going to focus my attention on the goaltending situation. And I touched on this guy last week. 
I don't want it to seem like I'm discounting Matt Murray completely, AJ. He's had a fine first half. He's been dogged by a couple of injuries. You told me that this was going to be the recipe for the end. But I think they got good performance out of him. They've got an outstanding performance out of Ilya Samsonov, though. Four, 17 and 5 and 2 is the record with a goals against of 2.31, one of the top marks in the league. And he's right up there with save percentage with 91.7. So he's a guy that's got an expiring $1.8 million cap hit as a restricted free agent. I think the Leafs are going to make this guy a priority, though. And to fit him in, they're going to have to find somebody with an appetite to take Murray's contract, I think, in the offseason. That's a bit of gymnastics that I'm hoping that will take place because I think Samsonov certainly has proven that he's uh, he's a guy that they can pin their hopes on for an extended period of time. He's a youngster too, uh, well, uh, early on in his career. And so I, I just think that uh, it makes sense to tie your your card to this guy as a 25-year-old in a couple of weeks, uh, 26-year-old rather. He's got uh, a bright future ahead of him and he's shown me enough that he can be uh, a workhorse type goalie too. Well, as Paul dreams up weird scenarios where somebody actually wants Matt Murray on the trade, uh, Vancouver will be represented by Elias Pettersson and then sort of Bo Horvat uh, at the All-Star Game, as we mentioned. Paul, uh, take us through your other thoughts on the Vancouver Canucks. Well, Pettersson has had another outstanding season for this club, AJ, and I've got a lot of time for him because he's proven to be one of the outstanding talents in this league, I'll say. But in his shadow, Andre Kuzmenko has been a real revelation for the Canucks and come from across the pond. They signed him as a free agent. He's one of these guys that's not 19 or 20 years old, but Kuzmenko instead is a 20. Andre Kuzmenko, Kuzmenko is 26 years old, I believe. So he's not really eligible for the Rookie of the Year honors, but if he was, he'd be a leading contender with 21 goals and 22 assists. So I, I wanted to highlight him. Amid the rubble that has been all the bad news and publicity that the Canucks have generated this year, the best news story, I think, has been the performance and the uh, really explosion on the scene of Andre Kuzmenko. Over in Las Vegas, your selections are the aforementioned Chandler Stevenson, who steps in for uh, Matty Beneers, and then uh, Logan Thompson, who... A uh, bit of a, you know, you have to look at the whole body of work when making your selections for, for these. And obviously overall has had a solid season. But uh, recently, last seven games, just one, four and two is the record. 3.00 is the goals against average. So has struggled a little bit um, in basically since the, the calendar turned to 2023 here. Uh, but again, you have to take the whole picture in. Uh, you know, into account here. I don't really think there would have been um, a better option overall on this team. I think he was the right kind of first choice for them. Uh, and then Chandler Stevenson coming in and filling out uh, when needed there, I, I think makes sense as well. He's the leading point producer on this uh, Vegas Golden Knights team, which is surprising when you have a roster filled out with guys like Mark Stone, Jack Eichel, Jonathan Marchessault, Shea Theodore, et cetera, et cetera. In Washington, AJ, of course, we're all counting down the goal scoring by Alexander Ovechkin, and it's no surprise that he's the all-star representative for this club, full value for a guy who just keeps on trucking. I mean, it, it bears reminding our listeners that I looked at Wayne Gretzky's career stats, and it may surprise you, partner, that it, Wayne Gretzky didn't even top the 30-goal mark any time after he was 31 years old. 
I had to do a double take on that and check a couple of sources to verify that. But that is, in fact, the case. We're seeing Ovechkin, as he's entering in his mid-30s, threatening the 50-goal mark still, playing a very physical style of play and against a better quality of goaltending than Gretzky ever faced. So I, that just kind of puts his career and this season in perspective. But uh, a guy that is an unsung hero in his shadow and the shadow of all other uh, a lot of other players on this club, when you think about them, you don't think of Eric Gustafsson very much before you can name off about seven or eight other players. But he's had a, another credible offensive season from the back end, and it happened at a critical time, as they are still without John Carlson. There is some news about Carlson, incidentally, AJ, that he has resumed skating, and uh, the the opportunity to get back to the lineup is probably in the near term. But Gustafsson has done enough to remind uh, our listeners that he's had a 60-point season in earlier in his career obviously it was a one-off but this might go down as the second best year in his career as he's got 27 points already and maybe on pace for a 50-point season he's done it at a very important time in his career though because he is a guy who's on a on a cheap eight hundred thousand dollar cap hit this year just a throwaway deal that that is really paying off for the caps in big big time and this guy's only 30 years old, so you have to think, if a team's looking for an offensive piece on the back end, there could be a bidding war for his services, and he's due of a significant increase in pay, and uh, the, the performance couldn't have happened at a better time for Eric Gustafsson. Well, if we're going to talk uh, about uh, players that I think got overlooked here, uh, you have to consider Kyle Connor for the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, I think definitely one that got overlooked. Uh, Josh Morrissey, will go instead of him uh, alongside Hellybuck, and, and Hellybuck certainly makes sense. But Kyle Connor uh, leads the team in goals with uh, – I'm sorry, he's second on the team with goals in 24, um, second on the team in assists. So overall first in points, uh, has 20 power play points. I just think he would have made more sense uh, potentially than, than Morrissey here. But it's hard to argue against either one, Pierre-Luc Dubois, is on a point per game pace. He certainly could have, you know, put uh, his his claim in there as well. Uh, and even Mark Scheifele, thirty one goals to start the year uh, in in fifty two games. So there's a number of players on this Winnipeg team that I think could have been candidates. Um, and again, Morrissey certainly worthy. But uh, for me, if I was doing the the pick in here, I probably would have sent Kyle Connor instead. AJ, we're gonna go uh, with a. Look at the DFS options for tonight's short slate, three games on the schedule, and go through our DraftKings lineups, which which you will share with our listeners in a moment. And I will come up with a FanDuel lineup. And I checked my math. I do add up to $55,000. So if there was any confusion last week, I apologize for that. But uh, with one adjustment, I would have cashed anyway because I had a pretty good lineup then. I expect to have another good one here, but I'm curious to know what you got in place for your DraftKings lineup in DFS play on this three-game slate tonight. Yeah, I went really uh, pretty cheap at the center position tonight um, in order to save up and, and spend big on the wing. So that starts for me with Dylan Strome, 4,300 here, um, playing that first-line role alongside Alexander Ovechkin, Going up against Columbus, who's a really weak team. They give up a ton of goals. So good matchup, good assignment, a good player to get in at, at a relatively cheap cost. And I went with Jordan Stahl at 3,300 for my other one. He's had some ups and downs this year, but overall more good than bad. Carolina playing at home. He's hot right now. And so I think he's worth that that price tag. 
with those savings, I had doubled down at the pr- top of the DraftKings board in terms of uh, wingers here. Alex Ovechkin, 8,900. I just talked about all the reasons to use Washington. Um, so I'm, I'm stacking him with Strom. And then Patrick Laine on the other side of the matchup. It's going to be Charlie Lindgren that gets the nod tonight for Washington, but they've had a couple struggles in net of late uh, from Darcy Kemper. So I think Columbus still is in play. Patrick Laine at 7,400 makes sense. Claude Giroux comes in as my third winger. 5,700 is his price tag. Um, a good matchup going up against Montreal, who gives up a ton of shots. Giroux has been one of the best players on this Ottawa team all season long and is producing at a high level right now. On the blue line, I went with Eric Gustafson, who you just talked about here. Uh, $4,900 for him and, and really solid uh Really solid value there. And then Jake Sanderson for Ottawa to get another kind of um, uh, another play out of that Ottawa team. He's had uh, a pretty decent hot run lately. I round out my attacking options here, my utility spot. I used Marcus Johansson tonight for Washington. They uh, shuffled up the lines just a little bit, not a ton, but Johansson going to play with Backstrom and Oshie. And I think that's a good spot for him to potentially build Uh, off what he's been doing lately. His numbers have been really solid. He's got six points in his last nine games. So I like him tonight at 3,200. And then uh, between the pipes here, I will go, uh, uh, you know, I did that backwards. Uh, Yeah, no, I'm going to go with Charlie Lindgren here. Um, I know I said I'm going to use Patrick Line and there could be some goals, but Lindgren has a pretty good chance to get a win. Um, I didn't quite have enough to pay up for Freddie Anderson. I might switch the more I think about it. I think I am. I'm going to switch to Anton Forsberg here. So ignore everything I said about Charlie Lindgren. Um, their, their net minding, I still think, has been a little questionable lately. So I'll use Forsberg. They're the same price tag on DraftKings 8000 So um, you could really go with either one, depending on uh, what you're thinking there. Well, I'll start with my goaltender since we agree on the goalie, but I'll highlight the price difference. I get a bit of a break here. Usually I pay more than you do for players that we have in common on the FanDuel side, but uh, this evening's games feature Forsberg, the auto goalie, at $7,300, so a bit of a savings for me there. Uh, He's had a nice run of late behind an Ottawa team that's pulled off some major upsets in the last 14 days as he's been forced to play more than his running mate, Cam Talbot, who's dealing with some injury woes. And he's uh, come in with a hot hand. So I'll ride that tonight, as I think the the Sens should be favored in this game handily. And they are minus 190 as I look at it, even though they're on the road this evening. I think they tasted the Canadians a 5 nothing shutout in their last matchup in Ottawa about a week ago. So I'll move back to the forward ranks here. And again, we agreed on Dylan Strome. You said all the things that I was, you touched on all the talking points there. He's the center for Alex Ovechkin. He gets power play minutes. He's costing me $5,300. He's had a hot end offensively, and I think he has an excellent chance to continue that as the Caps have a very favorable matchup against maybe one of the, wor- the worst team in the league in Columbus. So that one makes a ton of sense for me. I pair him at center, though. I spent up with one of the other positions there, and then I, that means I go to Sebastian Ahu, who's had a, a tremendous goal-scoring binge of late, eight goals in his last six games. I believe memory serves. And the price tag, $8,600, worth paying, as he too has a favorable matchup at home. We've talked a lot in the last couple of years about the fact that Carolina really runs up the shot clock on a regular basis when they're on home ice. They're a heavy favorite at minus 200 against an L.A. club that is leaking a little bit of 
defensively from what we've expected them in years past. They have uh, Phoenix Copley, who's been uh, the go- number one goalie for weeks now, and uh, Jonathan Quick uh, warming the bench there, uh, maybe burning a hole in the bench with his mentality. There, I don't think he suffers that too well, but Copley will be in the Kings goal, and I think he's going to face a barrage against uh, Sebastian Ajo and friends tonight. On the wings, we talked about Washington's situation. Who's the guy that you want to think about first? And that's Alex Ovechkin. He's the other guy that I'm paying up big dollars for, AJ, at $9,100. This is a a situation where I expect him to get at least one goal tonight. And and Corpusalo is the next victim. He's got a losing record at 8-9-2 on the season. As as I mentioned, the Caps are heavy favorites on the road. I think this is going to be a lopsided one, maybe points night for the visitors. Then you uh, made me think about Claude Giroux on uh, our earlier appearance today on DraftKings. You were, DraftKings show, you reminded me and all our other listeners that, that he's been the hottest scorer for the Sens for the month of January. And I'm going to pick up on that and pay the $7,100 to get him in my lineup in that favorable matchup against Montreal. Turning my attention to defense, I brought up uh, Jalen Chadfield earlier today. And uh, our colleague Anna Dua from the NHL.com really liked that pick. He's been on a bit of a scoring tear as well, playing second-pairing minutes for the Hurricanes, coming in at $4,000, so saving some money on the blue line, but yet picking up a guy who's going to play 20 minutes in that lopsided matchup against the Kings that I forecast. You and I both agree on the other guy that's going to play defense tonight on our rosters. That's Eric Gustafsson of Washington, $5,100 the price tag there. Differs from the one on your side again. And... Uh, Gustafsson's been on a nice run offensively, and I think he's got a great chance to extend that this evening. My extra forwards are one mid-range and one cheap guy. I'm going with Toivo Teravainen, who has found his home back on Ajo's wing. It's a bit of a mini stack there with uh, the Carolina forwards and Chatfield in the mix. $5,400, a cheap value for a guy who's going to be playing alongside Ajo and has been his running mate for the last couple of years, so I expect both to hit the score sheet. Then finally, I go to the other side of one of these games. I'm taking Quinton Byfield, AJ. He's a guy that they drafted as center for L.A., but he's found a home on the top line with Anze Kopitar at $3,100. I'm banking on those first-line minutes and maybe him getting a point or two for that cheap price tag. So I uh, managed to get it in for $55,000. I hope you play it because I can't here in Ontario. But So I'm going to be... I'm going to be asking you how, how, how we did uh, tomorrow, and maybe we can share it next week. So anyway, AJ, with all that said, I thought with our final thoughts segment, a reminder is in order in terms of some of the Rotowire hockey resources that, that our listeners can lean on uh, in the days coming up to the trade deadline, and also to, to get a better sense for who might be expendable, who's being showcased. I mean, I can think of a couple of guys that are being showcased with top six roles that, that uh, maybe are a surprise to some. So Please tell our listeners what they might do in terms of the Rotowire website to get a handle on who's playing with whom and what we might expect from Rotowire in terms of trade deadline coverage. How quickly will you guys get the information up when deals are made? Yeah, so, uh, you know, obviously the um, the biggest thing is our, our news coverage. Um, usually our, you know, for the most part, our, our analysis on, when a, a trade happens and, and that news will pop up on Rotowire within five minutes of, of us finding out about it. Um, so it's pretty quick there in that sense. As far as who's playing with who, our, our probably our most visited page is our depth charts page where we shuffle those around every day, all day, based on the line combinations at morning skates and, and that sort of thing. 
And then one resource I'll just give a plug for is the My Leagues feature, uh, more a tool for, for season-long users. Um, but you can actually import your league from various sites, uh, ESPN, Yahoo, CBS, uh, Fantrax, just import it right into Rotowire. And then it gives you access to tools like top free agents in your league, analyzing trade proposals, um, looking at best lineup, who to start uh, for, for your team. So there's a ton of tools that are, that are geared specifically to your league after you do that import through the My Leagues feature on rotowire.com. All right, buddy. Well said. And uh, with that, we want to thank you all for listening to RotoWire's podcast with Statsman and AJ. As always, we remind you that we're here to assist you with your planning for your fantasy hockey. That includes the trade deadline. Please send your comments or questions on Twitter, where you can follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22, and you can follow AJ at AJScholes24. So long, everybody.